Yeah, there's quite a lot of you today. God's clearly got a sense of humour. It's like she's going to speak. So I'm going to bring lots of people to terrify her to a very core. And you, if any of you have ever heard me get up to do a notice before. So I'm going to be talking about why am I a Christian, which is actually quite a big question for 15 minutes. And you know me, I'm such a concise person. I never ramble at all. So I'm going to start with my testimony because some of you might know it, some of you might not, but it's particularly poignant on Mother's Day, I think. Ron and I were not brought up by Christians. We weren't in a Christian household. Um, We weren't brought up by atheists or anything, just nothing particularly anything. Um, And when I was pregnant with Bella, um, I ended up in a coma. And so what we thought was going to happen didn't quite happen. And it was a horrible time, and I can remember it all, so it was very traumatic for me. But my mum and dad had started going to church not too long before that, and I'm obviously a grown-up by now. It'd be a bit weird if I wasn't, as I just told you I was pregnant with my child. It's not a good look for a vicar's wife. Um, So, I know, rambling already. Um, and people, those people prayed for us. And at the same time, Ron prayed for us as well. He said, God, if you save my wife, I'll do anything. I think we can all agree he's getting his money's worth now. <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. And that church didn't know me, and they took the time to pray for me. And at the moment they prayed for me, I opened my eyes. And we didn't know God and I was really traumatised and I had a total breakdown because of this but God came for us we were the one and not the 99 so we did that thing when something traumatic happens to you where you just kind of ditch your life and go right we're escaping to the country you know that pro I love that programme I'm like a little old lady in a slightly less little old lady's body And so I love Escape to the Country. That's what we did. But we were kind of running from our pain. We didn't realise that's what we were doing, but we were. And um, we went up north and then we went down south because Bella got ill. And um, we were driving past this place and Ron said he heard a voice say we had to buy it. I'm like, okay, dear. A little bit weird. And so he then did that Ron thing of going, now you make it happen. So, yeah, I had to ring up this total stranger and go, hello, can I buy your shop and B&B? Don't want a shop. We were just looking for a B&B. I was like, how dare you spend five minutes giving me a lecture about, you know, how can you ring me up and ask me this? And um, I heard a voice that said, leave your number. Now, if any of you know me, I'm, obedience is something I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm moving forward, but it wasn't top of my list of priorities at that stage to anyone and I did. I said, can I leave my number? And this person was like, well, however I ranting, still wrote it down. And 20 minutes later, someone else rang back and said, did you just ring up and ask to buy our B&B? And I was like, yes. She went, how did you know we were thinking of selling? And I was like, well, we didn't. So six months later, we moved into this B&B shop monstrosity with a massive house and a pool and the mortgage was large. But when you come from London, that's just normal. So 
We did this, and what God had done was put a smack bang in the middle of a very active Christian community. So even though the church only had 75 people in, we had a Christian outdoor centre, and we suddenly saw Christians for the first time, and they looked different to, you know, other people. Not in a kind of beardy, weirdy, sandal-wearing way, although, just saying, but they looked different. We described them as having a light inside them that the rest of the world didn't have. And they wanted to befriend us and not because they wanted anything from us. So one day, randomly, we decided we would... um, I just woke up and went, I really want to go to church. And Mum's like, that's weird, so do I. Now God is super organised because it was a Sunday... Can you imagine if it was like a Tuesday and it was a toddler group, you'd be like, whoa, no thanks. Or is that just me? I don't serve in the toddler group, not my gift. I don't think it's anyone's gift once your toddlers have grown up. Until you're really far away from that era and you can go, oh, those mums are so tired and go back again. But anyway, it was a Sunday and we went in and God knew us well enough to know that he needed to just remove the vicar to the other side of the church lovely bloke but he's from Northern Ireland and had a very serious face he's like how are you and I'm not sure that that would have been the face that would have been you know great so he sent the Welshman so Jeff who was a chaplain in a children's hospice can you imagine this man had God shining out of his face hello welcome that's not even Welsh I don't know what that was but he but he, he was on the door and our friends spotted us and you saw them do this. <gasps> and they pole vaulted over the pews to prevent us from meeting that member of the congregation. Those of you not laughing, if you don't know who it is, it might be you. Just saying. And anyway, I cried the whole service. That's a big surprise to people who know me. But it was at that point, And I said I felt like I'd come home. I didn't know what I was saying, but that's what I said. Well, this church was super good at discipleship. They were like, right, welcome to the church. Get in a house group. And now you're doing Alpha. And so we did Alpha. And I can remember the Baptist ministry. It wasn't a Baptist church. They did things as Christians together. Also a lovely training for not caring about denomination, which was wonderful. Don't even know what that word means. And he said, Jesus has to be the centre of your life from which everything else flows out and not something that you just wedge on to your existing life. Ooh, that's a bit scary, isn't it? You're like, can't I just carry on as I am and just kind of attach him to me? No. Maybe that's because he was a Baptist minister. (laughs) Just saying, sorry. So now, if anyone's got a Bible or an app, you're all pretending you're looking at the Bible on your phone. I know you're looking at Facebook. I'll be able to tell later. We're going to look at Galatians. 5.22 and I'm so super holy that I had to call Ron over and go it's not there it was there a minute ago when you're looking at Ephesians I was like okay sorry so Galatians 5.22 it's page 1172 and it is there because I checked and it was there when I did this and it says the fruits of the spirit uh, but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance which means patience kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. 
And these fruits of the Spirit were really hard to argue with. What's not to love about that? That sounds awful, doesn't it? Who wants that in their life? Who wants peace and kindness and goodness? Not me. No thanks, God. I'm quite happy with a focus on money, relentless pursuit of happiness, selfishness, people-pleasing, judgmentalness, loneliness and hedonism. Thanks. Doesn't have the same ring to it, does it, really? You can't imagine finding that sentence in the Bible. Well, I haven't found it yet. So these fruits sounded wonderful to me because, you see, the world that I was from didn't look like that. The joy and peace was created by drugs and alcohol. The kindness I received was based on what I could do for people. And as for self-control, well, there wasn't any. My, but it's the people that know me that laughed then. I'm still working on that. Give me time. My world wasn't very gentle. Just like some of the people who come through our doors now, in our food bank, in the community lunch, and actually in our church. And my heart longed for these things. And I was finding out that God was saying, come on, Ro, I love you. Just like you are, give it a go. And just like Mark Darcy said in Bridget Jones, I love you just as you are. Does anyone else remember him saying that? And her friends going, what? Not thinner? Or with a better job? Or less sweary? No, I love you just as you are. So being the person of extremes that I am, I said, okay. And I dived in head first. Then I went home and told Ron he was doing the same. He had already actually decided that a week or so before, but knowing me so well as he does, he just waited patiently. See, he had patience already. He waited patiently for me to make my own choice. Otherwise, I just wouldn't do it. And if any of you has tried to make a bull do something it doesn't want to do, you'll understand why Ron took that path. But the fruits of the Spirit aren't easy, are they? There are some seriously annoying people out there. You know, the people who will get on your very last nerve. I'm not looking at any of you at that point. I'm looking up there. But you see, when I looked at my new... I've got a New Living Translation Bible, and it's slightly different. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there we go. God isn't saying... You must be those things all the time, otherwise you've totally failed. He is saying that through the Holy Spirit, these fruits are produced. God knows that as humans, this will be really hard for us. That's why he left us this gift on earth, to help us. And they are the fruits of the Spirit after all, not the fruits of Roe, or the fruits of Francisca, or the fruits of Mummy Val. Or the fruits of Rick's. And it's with strength and presence of the Holy Spirit that we can do these things. Do these things. Display these things. And like those Christians in North Devon did for Ron and I, when they recognised our pain, they just offered us his love with no strings attached. That's like, wow, we'd never had that before. And Galatians is all about, I think, losing our way, getting focused on the wrong things, forgetting to seek him. And I love the fact that it says in the, like, the bit of Bible background I've got at the front of mine 
that Paul wrote the letter because they were giving up their freedom in Christ to serve the law again. It says he had a short introduction. This is Paul writing it. It's just it's a short introduction and he cut right to the heart of the point. That's my kind of bloke, actually, to be fair. Um, just get straight to the point. No faffing. No preamble. We don't know anyone like that here, do we? He said the Galatians should see themselves as free from the law. Free to serve Christ and be transformed by the Holy Spirit. What is our vision here at St. Saviour's? I mean, seriously, I'm not even going to bother waiting for you to get to the end of your sentence. That is pathetic. What is our vision here at St. Saviour's? That's slightly better because we want radical transformation, not, you know, if you can be bothered. Radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. And that starts with us. It starts with us. Our lives being transformed. But what can get in the way of that? What gets in the way of that? Well, someone who shall remain nameless because I think they're recording this, told me this story recently about in their church. So they'd started this extra prayer thing. And basically, so many people were coming that there was a table that was in the way. So what do you do with a table that's in the way? You move it. How dare you move a table without a faculty? I don't know what a faculty is. I thought it was a group of people who were professors at university. And I'm not entirely sure how useful they would be at moving a table. Debating the moving of a table, maybe. But moving it, manual labour, not so much. Anyway... This table got moved. And this is a hideous crime. You do not move this table without a faculty. It's a table! Just pick it up. All you need is strong arms. And I just, that made me, it incensed me. Because you're thinking, you want to move the table so people can pray more. What is this, a church? We're here to serve the table. That's why I don't go to that church. I don't think I would be a very productive influence there. So what is your table? Are you the person who moves the table back where it started? Because it's changed and it's been there 50 years? Or are you the one lifting it up and shouting, Come on, it's only a table! I think we can all agree that's me. Or are you the person hiding under the table because you're in pain? Or are you standing in the middle, trapped by fear, going, I don't know whether to move the table, put it back, leave it where it is, Ah, just to know? Obviously, that's an extreme. I think it's extreme. It's just a table. But that's an extreme example. But Paul says in Galatians, Obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a servant of Christ. So our role is to please God, not people. And as a major former people pleaser, this was a really hard transition for me when I became a Christian. Does anybody else find that hard or is it just me? That sort of need to want people to like you or please them in some way. There's lots of nodding heads. 
brave nodding heads. And sometimes, well quite a lot of the time, being a Christian requires us to step out of line with the crowd. It's countercultural, isn't it? It's like not trendy or cool or relevant to be a Christian these days. Lying. And that's awkward. Really awkward. But if we aren't different to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, then what is the point of us? Seriously, what is the point of us? If we're not different, what is the point of us? Our role is not to have all the answers all the time. It's to desire to seek his will and invite the Holy Spirit into our souls and our situations and allow him to help us to be and display the fruits of the Spirit. It requires us to actually do something whilst we're here on earth. And actually, when we step out and realise it's him doing it and not us, no need to be afraid, is there? No need to be afraid. So what are we going to do with that information? There are so many people, both inside and outside this church, who need God's love. They need to see and receive the evidence of the fruits of the Spirit. How else are they going to see it if not in us? Ron and I wandered the earth for 34 years and we've never met a Christian. Really? How is that possible? Oh, sorry, apart from the time I went to Brownies and went to some church where I heard Charlie Brown speak. What can tell you what man said? And then he put some sort of disc on my tongue. No idea why? That was my experience up till then. So we'd never met a Christian. And we didn't live in Cornwall with eight other people in a village. We lived in London. Here. Well, not here. Over there somewhere or wherever Heathrow, the other side of Heathrow. We never met a Christian? That can't be true. We never met anyone who was prepared to show or share their love of Jesus that they had. Ron heard someone say in a talk recently, so I stole it because I thought it was nice. So you will hear it again in a few weeks. But I said it first. Well, actually, whoever this was said it first. He says, Jesus has no body but yours. I was like, wow. Jesus has no body but yours. So many people need the wisdom and love of people here at St Saviour's. The community lunch needs you. The new build needs you. The toy library needs you. The staff team needs you. Being in a coma pulled the rug from under us and our whole lives and what we thought that was and what it was going to be. And it was frightening. And it's left its scars on us. But it gave God the chance to try and reach us. For us to stop long enough to actually hear his voice and to start to build a new foundation on which our life would be based. A foundation of rock and not sand as it had been. Do you know we are awake 126 hours a week, give or take insomnia kind of, I'm not looking at you Evan, but you have mentioned it on Facebook a bit. So I kind of am, really. Well, most of us are awake for 126 hours a week. How many of those hours do we give to God? 
How many of those hours, 126 hours, do we give to God? Is it two hours on a Sunday? But sorry, I'm busy for the other 124. It's a hard question, isn't it? And I want you to go home, not now. There's nothing worse than someone leaving while you're speaking. A little bit demoralising. I want you to go home and wonder about that. How many hours a week do I give to God? So if you're doing a job and you can't bring God into it, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? We're here for this much time on earth. You've got all eternity to do whatever because none of us know what's going to happen up there, but it's going to be good. It's got to be good. So if you're doing a job that saps the life out of you and prevents you having a relationship with God, why are you doing it? What is the point? First thing I read in the Bible, a little bit awkward, because it was definitely for me, literally did that non-Christian thing, opened the Bible, looked and went, right God, just come on, speak to me. And he went, you can't worship God and money, you've got to make a choice. <gasps> but I don't like that sentence. I know, that's why I gave it to you. 126 hours, how many do we give to God? What is stopping us being the person he created us to be? Why won't we allow him to work through us for his kingdom? Because there are so many me and Rons out there. Paul says it way better than me, big surprise. In Acts 20, 24, he says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And he was pretty unlikely, wasn't he? He was a pretty unlikely person for God to use. But he did so much when he found and accepted the love of God that previously he'd so energetically sought to destroy. God uses the most unlikely people Hello, I'm standing up here now. No training like my husband. It's like I'm, I'm the consolation prize. Wherever I turn up, they're like, oh, is the vicar not coming? Thanks for your welcome. So who is going to help me continue that work in me? In us? In all the people in Sunbury who don't know Jesus yet? Who is in? I'm going to make you do a very un-British thing now and say, if you are all in, will you just stand up with me and be brave? Thank you, Barbie. Just stand up. Yes, stand up if you're with me. If you're not, stay sacked, fine. But it is so much nicer that some of you stood. So you lot have stood up. You're all in. You are all in for him. That means you're going to find out who you are and go out and serve and show his love to people like us who didn't know. You've got no one to blame but yourself if you end up with more people like us. But we're here because people did that for us. We saw him in them, in their love. So stay close to your Bible. 
Because if you don't have a relationship with him, that is what I have learned, if I've learned nothing more in the last few months, is that the more I read the Bible, the more I know he loves me. The more I know I'm ready to go out and do stuff that's weird like this. Pray together. Give. Serve. Invite. There is so much love in this congregation. A love that I have been blessed to receive since the day I arrived. I was so lonely when I arrived here but you guys love me and you seem to see that in me straight away and there are so many people who are not that blessed they don't know you they don't have this come with us come with us and allow God to free you from the law to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and have freedom in Christ Amen.